This is the Beyond the Profi podcast, the podcast that empowers you and inspires you to seek career excellence while pursuing your passion. And I'm your host, Jasmine Haley. family. This Beyond the Profi podcast episode is brought to you in part through a sponsorship from Young Dental. This episode's feature product is the Vera Advanced Bright Profi Paste. You know, we often hear from my patients how they want a whiter smile. Well, this Profi Paste whitens, brightens, and neutralizes the pH. It has a creamy consistency, and it's available in polish and stain remover. What's also awesome about this product is that it's gluten-free and it's made with xylitol. To find out more about this product, visit www.youngdental.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beyond the Profi podcast. I have a very, very special guest today. Uh, If you have heard me or have ever come to any of my CE courses or may have heard me talk in person, this wonderful woman is my speaker inspiration, and it's about time that I have her on the podcast. Welcome, Edie Gibson. Thank you, Jasmine. It's so nice to be here and spend some time with you. You inspire me just as much, my friend. Oh, thank you. I, you know, the very first time I saw you was when you did a presentation for Crest. I had no idea I was going to meet you again um, when I went to a speaker development course, but I saw you for the first time and I walked up to you and I said, and you probably don't even remember this, but I was scared to death because you're very tall. (laughs) (laughs) Probably had high heels on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very statuesque. And just like your poise, and it was about loops. We we're talking. I was asking. I think it was something um, you had told me not to get the flip up or something. We were. I was having issues with kind of figuring out why I was. I was struggling with the loops that I had, which were flip ups, and or through the lens. I through the lens, yeah. Flip ups. I prefer flip ups. Yeah, hands down. Yep. So, anywho, um, I've learned so much from you, from watching you, and um, I'm very grateful to have you on this podcast. So I can't wait to showcase all the amazing stuff that you have done for the hygienists that are listening today. Thank you, friend. I appreciate that. It's an honor to be here. All right. So one of the cool things that many people don't know about you, or maybe maybe have forgotten, or maybe just don't know, (laughs) um, is the fact that you actually own your own dental hygiene practice. I did. Oh my goodness. So tell me like what that was like going through that process, making that decision, almost like, I think the hardest thing for most hygienists is when they go from getting a paycheck every two weeks and then becoming a business owner. And it's all of our dreams. I know for me, I think if I had lived in a state that I could own my own practice, I would go ahead and do it. Cause you know, we like to run the show. I want to run the show. <laughs> like for you going going through that and doing that it was it was a very cathartic process so I had been in dentistry for a long time and a dental hygienist 
for very for many many years. I graduated with my first degree in 1985 from Ferris State University. Go dogs! And I worked for quite a few different types of practices, from a group practice, which was my first out of the gate, to a few independent practices, a couple specialists, and then I landed a, a wonderful position in New York City with a large implant practice, GP implant practice. And so that is really where I, no pun intended, cut my teeth in the business side of dentistry, uh, specializing in implant dentistry. And so I, I brought a business background and mixed it with my clinical background in order to open my practice. So when I left New York City, we moved to a tiny ski town in Colorado called Crested Butte, Colorado in Gunnison County. And I worked for a dentist for about two years. And I'd gone through some health issues. And those health issues changed my perception of life and what I wanted. And little by little, I would be mm, dissuaded and tried to tamped down by the senior dentist in the practice. So when I brought in my loops and my ultrasonics and my airflow therapy and all the modern technologies that I knew were the right way to treat our patients and especially with implants and my doc would come behind me and tell the patients that I shouldn't be using them in essence and so we st mm -hmm, we used so we clashed and so my ethics were being challenged and then the final straw was when the doctor came behind me after I had spoken with this woman who hadn't been in to see us in about four years, she was a serious dental phobe. And I spent the majority of the hour talking with her, getting in relationship with her, talking about her oral health needs, her whole body helmet wellness needs. And we talked about dental implants. And I obviously told her the ultimate decision is with you and the dentist and in comes the doc behind me. And if anybody has heard me speak, they've heard this story. And he walked in and he said, I know, Edie has talked to you about dental implants, but we're going to give you a bridge so you can have your teeth in three weeks. And that, Jasmine, was my aha moment to say, I can either continue to get a paycheck and compromise my ethics, or I can pull up my big girl panties and go out and open my own practice. And so I went out and I wrote a business plan. And I ran it by a friend of mine who happened to be a patient as well as a friend, a good ski buddy. And he picked that business plan apart, Jasmine, everything, pick, pick, pick. And by the time I left that meeting, I thought, oh, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. Oh, my goodness. And the last thing he said to me was, can I be your first patient? And I thought, I can do this. Oh, my gosh, I can do this. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. And so I did. And I found a place, did my own build out, sat in the middle of the room when it was empty and spun around in my chair and I thought, how do I want this to look and feel and smell and be for this experience for my clients? And so I shifted them from patients to clients because I'm now a business owner. And that's how I set it up. I set it up as a spa atmosphere. And I, I didn't look back. Once I had made the decision, I didn't look back. And I continued to fine tune my business plan. I would do things a little differently now because I started with not a lot of capital and it was a wing and a prayer. And so I always call it the Edie wrong way. 
And <laughs> there's the right way, and then there's the eating wrong way. And it was definitely the eating wrong way. <laughs> but I did it, Jasmine. I knew in my soul, just like you, like watching you grow, you knew it, right? You knew it in your heart, and I knew it in my soul that I was going to do whatever it took to make this work. And so I advertised in a local paper. We're in a small ski town, and our paper comes out once a week, and I advertised for about six weeks getting my business up and running and I was blessed my husband had a wonderful wonderful job that he could take care of the finances and we had some money stashed away not much we were living on a wing and a prayer back then <laughs> and uh, and I I put an ad out in the paper didn't even have a location prior to this didn't have a location and I just had things going to my cell phone all the calls coming to my cell phone and I had an old pen and paper an old book, and I wrote the appointments down in pencil. And when it came come time to open, I thought, what have I done? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What have I done? <laughs> and it was the most exhilarating, scariest, exciting moment of my business life. And I have no regrets. And that, from that... I've been blessed by many phone calls from many hygienists who want to do the same thing. And so I had a friend tell me, you need to make this a business and charge. And I, I just, I didn't feel right about that. And so it was mentoring men and women who wanted to do their own, open their own practice. And so it, I give back and help them all any way I can. And yeah, that was the Edie wrong way. <laughs> well, I've been doing it the Edie wrong way. Um <laughs> When I started it, it was just like, okay, well, you know, I feel this calling. I'm just going to go ahead, you know, and I'm, thankfully I have a husband who's willing to support. I couldn't do everything that I do um, without him, but man, that cracks me up. <laughs> Five to 10 years from now, let's talk about, you know, you know what, what I did is called the Edie wrong way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That is so awesome. So what would you say like to someone, like, tell me why having a business plan is crucial because a lot of people mm. um, don't understand why that's necessary. Even if it's a limited form, you really need to start off with something. So why do you think that's really crucial for any type of business owner, um, especially a dental hygienist starting off? Well, I t that's a great question, Jasmine. And, and the first thing that popped into my head is, you need to match your heart and your brain onto paper. And so by writing a business plan, and I used a business plan software, and it stepped me through every single aspect of my business. And so it, it, it's, a, it's a long and tedious process, but I would never start a business without it. Even if you're right, even if it's limited. I went into marketing plan and how am I going to differentiate my practice from the three other practice well, I had there were two dental practices both with a hygienist within Crested Butte and we had a population of about 1800 people and then there were five dental offices 30 miles down valley where I had where I used to practice and at this point we were living in Gunnison 30 miles down valley from Crested Butte and so how was I as an independent practitioner going to differentiate myself and it also steps you through through the good the bad and the ugly you know, what could go wrong? What happens when this goes wrong? What capital do you have in reserves? Which I didn't have any, but I did it anyway. 
<laughs> and um, and it, it just, it makes you own your business in your heart and soul and every fiber. So it was a, it was a great process. Now, did I stray from that business plan? Yep. And I modified it as I went along because reality hit and I brought on a, I opened up a makeup center up front because I'm a makeup artist too. And then I hired an esthetician. Well, she rented space from me. I didn't hire her. We were two private businesses working in collaboration. Hired a massage therapist. And it was really, yeah, it was really a unique situation. Wow. So were you ever featured in the RDH magazine? I was, yes. Lynn Slim. Okay. Love my girl. She wrote twice. She wrote, she did two articles on me. She just. I yes. I was pregnant wow. at the time. I, I have a picture of that in my office and I look at that and think, oh my goodness, look at that round face and that big old belly and my little Yorkshire Terrier on my lap, Miss Coco Chanel. <laughs> oh my, I'm going to find that and I'm going to put it in the show notes because I want to share. Oh, incredible. Yeah, it was cool. Because I, I was like, wow, this is possible. I think it was like, that was one of the, I didn't know that that was even possible for dental hygiene, you know? I yeah. Wow. It was 2005. She wrote it in 2005. I was in, I was in school. I yeah. Was in school. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cool. All right. Yeah. I love the fact that you point that out about a business plan. I did a limited one. I did one um, that I found online. Like for me, I'm like a typical, I'm a millennial in some ways, but also an old soul and many mm. others. And I tend to look online. Like if I don't have the answer, I'll go on Google or YouTube. And there's so many templates that are out there. What I do like that you mentioned is that you have a software that kind of walks you through. So there was yes. no, there was no points you were going to miss or forget about. So you were really, really focused. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And don't ask me what the name of that software was because once I was done with it, I deleted it off my computer because it, <laughs> it was one, I'm telling you, it was, well, you know, you've been through it. It was the, I think I had a brain before this started, but it's now on the paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you can definitely, everyone that's listening, go on Google and type in business plan and you'll find so many resources that are there. You can purchase software. You could find free templates to start off with. Um, and I also think another great point that you mentioned is that you had a friend take a look at it. Yes. Scrutinize it. I was going to look at it objectively. Yes. And he, yep. And he was, he was actually our financial planner. But he was an ex-New Yorker like myself, so we had very similar personalities, and he had a, an amazing business acumen because that's what he did. He helped large companies and corporations when he retired from New, prior to retiring from New York. He helped large corporations get from point A to point B in their growth strategies. Mm -hmm. So I chose him strategically because of his brain, and it was the best thing I ever did. It was gut-wrenching because I thought it was a failure and what I thought in my head was not reality. And like I said, when he said, I want to be your first patient, I went, yes. <laughs> what was the best thing about having your own practice? Being able to deliver the patient client care that I knew in my heart, what was best for them. So yep, yeah, it's a business, but the, there's a myth that private dental hygiene practices don't make money. And I'm here to tell you, that's, I'll dispel that myth every day of the week. <laughs> and it was being able to do what I, what I felt was right and in the best interest for my client, not the production wheel. 
you know, granted I, I had production, but I, when I opened my doors, I was booked almost five weeks out before I even opened the front door for the first patient. Mm-hmm. And, and it's because I looked at it differently. I looked at it as a healthcare setting, not just a dental setting. And so I did blood pressure, saliva tests. We did screenings. I collaborated with my friends who were doctors in the, in the town. And if somebody wasn't, if there were some other issues going on that were showing up in the mouth, then we collaborated with their healthcare providers, their um, general practitioners, medical doctors. So one of um, this past, well, last week, Friday, I had to go and um, we had our first SADA meeting at, at the school that I work at. And so I did an naloxone training and I, I gave the CE that I present um, to the students. And there was a student that came to me at the end and said, oh my goodness, there was this amazing woman that gave this presentation for ADHA. And I was like, stop right there, Edie Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, like, oh, she was so wonderful. And then she said, she said that she had saw my picture. She was like, oh my gosh, that's my teacher. But I want to tell you that um, one of the also, you've done so many amazing things. We can talk about so much, but I try to limit Mm -hmm. the chunks of information. One of the things that I admire about you is that you are an extraordinary speaker. So what kind of, you're welcome. Um, What kind of led you in that direction? Um, And then in particular, the topics that your, see your your patient care is heart-centered. Mm-hmm. And the topics you speak on are heart-centered. So Absolutely. led you into speaking and also choosing the topics that you speak on? That is a, that's a great story, and I will make it really as short as possible. So I was working in New York City, and I had remained friends with one of my teachers, my professors from dental hygiene school, Linda Muenberg, who you had on the um, podcast earlier. And she has become, yeah, we love your Goldberg doggy dog. And so she called me when I was in New York City working in a large implant practice for Dr. Ken Judy in the ICOI and said, so Edie, I want you to come back and speak for our second year dental hygiene students. And I went, oh, I, I can't do that. I'm not, I don't stand in front of people. I'm not a speaker. No, no, no. I'm, I'm the businesswoman. I can't do that. And she said, too late. We already have you booked. Dr. Judy, you're going to speak on implant maintenance. And I went, no, no, no. Well, she had collaborated with my boss, my friend. And so I show up at Fair State University in the days of slide carousels. You know, the old-fashioned slides that you look at, reverse, flip down, and you carry the carousels, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I carried two carousels, two projectors onto the plane from New York City to Michigan to speak at Fair State University. Uh, poor Linda, I ran her through that program about 10 times the night before, and she finally said, I, I, I think you know it. Go to sleep. And so I got up in front of my second-year students, the, her second-year students, and for the fir- as soon as I got up, I forgot everything in my head, and it was about implant maintenance. And I thought, I, I don't, what am I speaking of? I don't know. And I looked at Linda, and I went, okay. And I was sweating, Jasmine, had a new suit. I was all, oh, I just was so excited, nervous. And about a minute into my presentation, it was God going, this is what you're supposed to do. Mm. And I knew, I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I I pursued it, but not relentlessly. I pursued it um, calmly for a long time. And then there came a point in my life where I went, yep, 
this is it. After I had to close my practice for a spinal injury, my private hygiene practice, I pursued my speaking full time. And my topics come from experiences in my life and they come from my heart. You're right. My programs are all heart centered, heart passion. And there's a mission. There's a, there's a, a life changing event that has occurred in my life. And that's what I speak about. And so that's where my ergonomics program came from because of my spinal surgery. That's where all of my addiction programs come from. And anybody who's heard me speak on my addiction programs know that it is based on my, my life and walk with my husband through his addiction and recovery and now his walk with the, our walk with the Lord together. And so those are, that's where I, I, I find my subjects for my programs. And I, and I have people say, well, can you do this? And you, can you do that? And I, if it's not something that's occurred in my life that I know and then feel empowered and passionate about, I, I pass it off to somebody who has that passion. Absolutely. And that's what keeps the people engaged. Exactly. And- uh, it's, and that's what keeps people asking for you to come back is how you make them feel after the presentation. So I love that, that that's what you do. Um, you know, it's hard to talk about that, um, but you open yourself up in, in a very vulnerable place to really share what kind of impact substance use disorder have had in your family. What would you say is... Oh, I guess what would be the most important message you can share with the listeners today on why it's important for us to continue to talk about this subject? It's important for us, not only as healthcare providers, but as human beings. And I say that in all my programs because we're, we're, not, we're not just dental hygienists. We're, we're human beings. We're men, we're women, we're moms, daughters, dads, sons. We're all in this together. And it's important for us to keep talking about it so we shed the veil and the mask of bad and evil and um, weakness that people look at. So people look at addicts and the first thing they think about is, oh, they're weak, they're bad. Oh my gosh, pull your big girl boy panties up and go out and just stop already. And, and, it's, and it's, it's not weakness. It's it most addictions now that we're looking through finding out and really peeling back the onion. Most addictions come from some kind of pain, hurt, trauma, and that person's life. Yeah. So my programs are now designed to remove the label of addict and remove the stigma of an addict is somebody on the street with torn clothes and passed out drunk or stoned. Mm -hmm. Um, An addict can be sitting right next to you in a program. Yes. Somebody who's struggling, right? Somebody who's struggling with the substance um, issue, a substance use disorder. And sometimes all it takes is us as hygienists having somebody sit in our chair and we know or we suspect that there's an issue going on. It could be that brief intervention by a healthcare professional saying, hey, how's this working for you in your life? You know, I do a whole program on that when we do how we talk about that mm-hmm. um, to our clients. And then as from a humanistic point of view, instead of walking by that person on the street or that person that you see falling down or 
you know that there's an issue instead of walking away and around them and just snickering or going, Oh, I'm not even going to look at you when I drive by you and you're sitting on the side of the road is to look at them as a human and know that there is a story under there and not just the substance. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure you can attest to this when you finish your program, the hygienists that come up, that share that, somebody is using in their family, son, mother, husband. I've had a hygienist even share that she was using mm-hmm. in school or people are currently using or her pet been past users. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. One conversation that I had with one of them mentioned that she was walking amongst other hygienists and they were talking about the program I was offering and they were very negative to uh, people who had substance use disorder. And uh-huh. they had no idea that she was a previous user. So it's almost like, like you said, the stigma is some, it's real. Yes. But until I love the fact that you, one of your programs is called unmasking. You uh-huh. have to move that veil because it's, it's right in front of our face. And the statistics are showing that more and more people that we encounter every day are facing this. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I changed the way I do, I start my intro into my programs and I ask the audience to take a look at the slide and the word addict is popped up there. And so now I'm going to pop up this and tell me what, what image comes across your mind. And then I flip through different images of different people in different stages and walks of life. And it's amazing. And then I get to the healthcare slide. I put up a picture of healthcare professionals and scrubs and masks and say, now what about this? And people inevitably go, yeah, yeah, great. I know we just, we just lost an orthopedic surgeon here in Oklahoma city, young man struggling with alcoholism was sober, relapsed. His wife and kids moved out. He sat in the bathtub, downed a bottle of pills and committed suicide. He's 28, 28, 28. And so it's, and you never know. Yeah. You never know who it is. And the, 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 my mission or my ministry behind giving those programs is to the joyful part of it. Just like you said, Jasmine is the after when I stand there and they line up or my emails blow up or my texts blow up and I spend time on the phone with people and Working with my husband, who's director of counseling and recovery for a large church here in Oklahoma City, we can help people get into treatment. Yeah. And so, and we have connections all over the country. And so, I get to do a little bit of my ministry from the stage. Um, and and that's that's the joyful part for me is the aftermath. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, I wish I could stay longer. I really, <laughs> I could go on and on about. I love. Love that. I love when people have a strong why. Mm-hmm. It makes so much of a difference. And, you know, you're, you're the type of hygienist, regardless of how much time you may have with your patient, you're going to do what's best for them. And you're going to yes. encourage other hygienists to do the same. And it's about saving lives and making a difference. And that's an important thing that we need to hold up high on this pedestal as hygienists that we're more than tooth cleaners we can mm. really make a difference in our patients' lives. Really. Exactly. Exactly. So my, this is my last question for you. 
What was the best career advice you've ever been given? Um, it was by my daddy when we were younger. Oh, wow. And he always told me, well, he told me two things. Um, but the one that truly sticks in my head was pursue your passion and the money will follow. Mm. And I've lived that. Um, I lost my dad early on and, and he died. Uh, he had a stroke when he was, I was a sophomore in college and he died shortly after from a, a heart attack all inflammation based. And that is what I remember. He was a brilliant, he was a Mensa, brilliant, um, very astute business acumen. And he taught us early on, your handshake is golden and pursue your passion and the money will follow. Well, thank you, Edie. Where can people find you? If they want to find out more about the programs that you offer, um, get in contact with you, what is the best way? Now, the best way is you can email me at E-D-I-E-S-H-U, E-D-S-H-U, S is in Sam, H is in Harry, U is in under, at gmail.com. Or my cell phone is area code 970-596-4458. Shoot me a text. Um, I'll respond if I'm not in a plane or in the front of the room. <laughs> and you can, also, you can also go to my website. Now, it's not a fancy website. I'm just going to put it out there, but you can also take a look at my website, which is edygibson.com. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you. It's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I appreciate you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, my friend. It's been an honor. Hey, BTP family. Thanks for joining the show. Face it. As dental professionals, we're planners. We need every detail before we make a decision. And one of the hardest decisions we've ever had to make was actually taking the time to consider how we were going to obtain our dental licensure. Well, have you gotten to the point where you feel like, what's next? What else can I do with my degree? Well, I have a free webinar on my site, which is www.beyondtheprofi.com. If you go to the events tab and scroll down under live CE webinars, you'll see a course entitled, What in the World? can I do with my dental hygiene degree? We're gonna cover three things. You're gonna learn how to identify your skills and reflect on your experience to leverage for future opportunities, cultivate your innate abilities for career opportunities, and apply transferable skills for future opportunities. Please check it out. It's an awesome way that you can learn from home. It's for free. You do it on your own time. Let us know what you think about it. We hope that we continue to serve you with excellence and we'll see you next time.